everybody, you are live with Luke and Eric here on this special edition big announcement day from Bible Purdue! Full of sound effects and everything. What's up, Luke? Hey, Eric. It's good to see you. It is even better to see you. Now, we got some really big news today. We do, yeah. However, before we start with the big news, we have a very special guest. Here we are with Jackson Reynolds. Now, Jackson has some very specific instructions for our viewers and our listeners. So, Jack Attack, take it away, bro. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, turn all notifications on, make sure you leave an honest five-star review, and leave a like on this video. And, and that's all. And follow my boys on Facebook. <laughs> Boom! Hey, what do we think about anything less than five stars? What do we think of anything less than five stars, bud? You're dishonest. Just dishonest, right? It's only honest five-star reviews that we're looking for, not those dishonest three-star reviews. All right. Say bye to the kids. Yeah, Jesus does not like dishonesty. Way to go, Adeline. So uh, you guys got introduced to my kids here uh, today. That was uh, surprise number one for the show. Is using your kids to try to get uh, likes and subscriptions on Facebook a violation of child labor laws? No, I don't pay them. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, great. Yeah. (laughs) I don't pay them. Uh, They volunteered for that duty. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's a violation of anything. However, hey, if you could, we put on the uh, comments above uh, the links to the uh, Advent Christian Voices page, our page on there, where it has all of the different, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, our episodes. You can also go on iTunes. Please go on iTunes. Even if you don't have it, you can log in through the link above, and you can either subscribe or give a, a, a review. What the review does is it helps us reach more people. And really, ultimately, our goal is to have Christ-honoring conversations that are fun, lighthearted, but also serious at times and where we are sharing the gospel at all times. Right, Luke? That's right. Absolutely. And the more uh, that you guys like, subscribe, share, give good reviews, uh, the greater the reach of the show will be. So you really are a, a part of the ministry of the show and that doing those little things not only support us, but they really help to expand our exposure uh, to people who we want to hear these conversations. So Luke, do we want to reserve the, the, the big news for right now, or do we want to, do you want to take it to the end of the show? Do you want to give the news at the end of the show? I, I, I think we just, we just come right out with it. We can pitch it again at the end, but let's go ahead and make the announcement. Okay. So should we bring Jackson in for this one? Sure. Hey Jack, Jack, you're on the show. Uh, we need your advice, bud. Jackson, Jackson, we got we we got uh, Pinky the Party Panther back there, but Jackson, we got a very important question. Okay, we're gonna kick him out if you don't start listening. That's how we do it in the Reynolds household. Hey, should we announce the news now or should we wait until the end? Okay, all right, just checking. So uh, <laughs> it's great being the producer of the show. <laughs> So, so you train you trained them to give the like, share, subscribe, review spiel, but you couldn't train them to give the announcement. Uh, you know, you can only train a monkey with so many tricks. You know, so um, so here is the big news. Uh, Luke is leaving the podcast. This is and, oh, this is news. And, I wasn't even and, and we're bringing it. We're bringing on Matt Chandler. 
<laughs> so uh so look this is your last episode man uh what do you have to say to everybody um i'm gonna say uh both that i'm very surprised and that that's the highest compliment i've ever received that i'm basically interchangeable with matt chandler <laughs> well you know if i had to choose between you and matt it would be you so um Anyway, wow. X29 is going to sponsor the podcast and, and, you know, we had to put well, him on. So, well, that, well, that, that's good that you would choose me because if Matt Chandler had between, had to choose between you and basically anyone else, he would choose anyone else. So it works out that you would choose me and he wouldn't choose you. So we're, you know, I'm, I guess this means I get to stay. That's fair. So, so here we are. I guess I'm getting kicked off the podcast. Just <laughs> kidding. All right. Let's get back to, um, the serious nature of our announcement. We, uh, friends and family, because we consider our audience, our listeners, our viewers, um, family, most of you are probably brothers in Christ or sisters in Christ, and and we recognize the importance of that. Uh, But we are launching our very first Patreon account. And if you're familiar with Patreon, it is a place in which you can partner with all sorts of creators on the internet and get special access to certain things. And um, we are dropping that Patreon right now. So you can join what we're calling the Banter Club on Patreon. There's three different tiers uh, in which I will actually share with you right now what that looks like. So uh, let's see right there. All right. Hopefully you guys can see it. And um, so this is our Bible banter page on Patreon. And we have three different membership levels. We have the banter club initiate, the banter club veteran, and the banter club VIP or very important Patreon or patron. Um, It's at three, five and $10 a month with different tiers of things that you will get. So on the first tier, the the three dollars a month or the banter club initiate. Uh, you want to read those, Luke? Uh, our sincere. We're reading the first one, right? Yes. Okay. All right, sorry, I was I was looking up the link so I could drop it in the comment section. Thank our you. sincere thanks. A shout out on the podcast. Your first month, so we'll make sure that we let all your uh, the other chatters know that you've supported us. A virtual high five on the podcast your first month and access to a carefully curated library of free digital books, which I assure you will be put together only by Eric. Uh, that's because I'm the only one of the two of us that reads. Oh, so I, 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 was, I wasn't complaining. I'm telling the people <laughs> we're making a better product. So the $5 a month, tell them, uh, tell them what they win, Luke, if they yeah. become a banter club veteran. Everything in the first tier, but also entry into a monthly drawing of a free book, which will also be provided by Eric. Uh, and the winner will be announced live on the show. An exclusive After Hours podcast, which you got a little bit of a taste of a couple times in the past few weeks, just a little bit of bonus content for our supporters. Boom. And your name gets added to the Banter Club scroller at the beginning of the show. Boom. Man, what more could you want? That's actually my favorite tier out of all of them. Um, but you know what? If you want to partner with us a little bit more and you appreciate us, you know, quite like our parents do, then you might uh, become banter club VIPs. What does the VIP get Luke? Well, it includes everything in the first two tiers, along with a digital copy of Eric's new book. Once he publishes it, uh, which is go making disciples in all of life, exclusive monthly AMAs with either Luke or Eric, 
Uh, and you'll get to vote in a weekly poll selecting a topic for the guys to consider to discuss in the podcast. So you could have uh, some input onto what we talk about in the future. And I'll also tell you guys, uh, we're very new to this. And so there might even be some other goodies that we end up throwing in along the way, some of which I'll actually yep. participate in. Uh, I know I know you guys get the impression that Eric does most of the work. It's because he does. He but does. Yep. Uh, but I, I, I am willing to, to maybe uh, throw in a, a couple goodies myself. And um, yeah, we're excited about launching this. And I would just want to go ahead and let you guys know that for now, most of uh, where the funds would go would actually just be to refunding equipment um, that we purchased to help make the show better. At some point, uh, if the show were to really grow, and our support were to grow, we might talk about taking home some some income. But for now, like every dollar that you give is just going to go back to paying for equipment that especially Eric has invested in just to make the show better for you. So it really is an investment worth making. Um, uh, for now, all of it's really going back into the show. So what we're really excited about and why this is such big news is uh, not only are we trying to – because right now um, we are um, – <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate. I guess. Uh, I guess Mike has volunteered three dollars a month. He's going to be coming on the three dollar a month level. But um, I'm just kidding. Uh, really, what's important about this is is we are spending money on a monthly basis, um, and uh, to to keep the podcast going to make it at least come across a little bit more professional. You know, having the graphics and and it doesn't have the streamyard stuff that shows up in the corner and these types of things. It also allows us to more easily produce some other content, um, you know, using StreamYard and some other services. So um, this is really just to help support what we're already doing, uh, because I don't know if you realize this or not, Luke and I are not independently wealthy. Although we dress really well, and obviously we manicure our faces like top notch, like Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio has nothing on us, right? Um <laughs> I know it looks like we're rich. We are not. Um, so these types of things just help out. And what I really care about, because I support other things on Patreon that I, that I partake in, um, is it allows you to really kind of be a member of something. It helps you um, support something and feel as though like you're a part of, um, of the production. And really what we're trying to do in these tiers is to um, give you either access or content that um, you might desire. If you have other ideas as far as uh, things that you would like in those tiers, uh, please let us know. We are all, we're brainstorming, texting back and forth about different things that we put on. I can tell you that we've changed those tiers, or at least I have um, in the last couple of weeks, man, probably a dozen times. And uh, depending on how well these first three tiers go, we have a couple of more tiers that um, could come out that we're looking forward to. So what Wes always asking the big questions. Um, the other thing that I want to make clear is that uh, no, there will not be a telethon. The other thing that we want to make clear is that the regular episodes of Bible banter will continue to be completely free. We are not going to be yep. putting it behind a paywall. You don't have to give us a dime to um, participate in the show and to uh, listen and enjoy. So this is just uh, something extra if you want to participate. But the episodes will continue to be free and public. We're not putting them behind a paywall. This is just mm -hmm. a way you can support us if you want. Yeah. So that. Uh, so Daniel McGee said, next year uh, you get to join Eric's Cigar Club. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say that that's one of those tiers that you might get. You know, some uh, some monthly cigar tips. But uh, I'm not saying it's not. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we made kind of when 
when Luke and I were talking about this, we made uh, it very important to both of us that we would not uh, withhold content and put things behind a paywall that you've already been used to. So really life for you is not going to change unless you um, want to join the banter club. If you join the banter club, then you're just going to be blessed by it. It's going to be awesome. While we are shamelessly self-plugging, Eric, why don't you go ahead and show off that sweet merch? You can get the merch. Well, actually, we're not really selling merch. Uh, my wife just wanted to test out what it would look like to make our own T-shirts, and she did some with Bible Banter. I think we're trying to get some to Luke so he can sport it as well. I just wear T-shirts, man. Whatever the most recent T-shirt is, I wear it. So sometimes it's my church's T-shirt. Sometimes it's my hockey team. But more recently, it's been Bible Banter. And possibly, if uh, if we continue with Patreon, if we find it to be successful, maybe some of those future rewards and tiers will involve some of your own personal Bible banter merch. Boom. I mean, I promise you, I won't sell you or bring you something or send you something that I've already worn. That's also a promise. Now, also, how can these people, these beautiful people who love us so much, Luke, when... This Bible right here, this ESV 400th commemorative anniversary edition of the King James Version with some beautiful pictures here in the front um, with uh, beautiful lettering and a great layout with a center column uh, um, reference. It's leather overboard, real leather overboard. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful Bible. Am I correct in understanding this is the Eric Standard Version Bible? Uh, the ESV does uh, does stand for Eric Standard Version. I know Crossway won't admit it. Neither will any of the you know prominent folks who use the ESV, but they're just mistaken. You know, God has elected them um, to be wrong in this area. But more commonly, it's referred to as the English Standard Version. But I prefer it to be the Eric Standard Version. Um, now Glenn is asking, is it month to month membership or do you join for a year? It is month to month. It is month to month. Uh, in fact, we, we had actually uh, considered going with a, so the lowest tier, uh, is $3 a month. And we'd actually, I considered, uh, doing that. And then, uh, Patreon, you know, going lower than $3 and Patreon said, no, uh, that's a bad idea. So they prefer that the lowest is $3. Um, will it be disinfected to kill the COVID? The shirt or the Bible, Mike? Not quite sure what you're saying there. Um, and apparently my wife has gone rogue and is offering the BB merch, the Bible Venture merch for $35 a shirt. That seems <laughs> kind of like highway robbery. I don't know if I can. Uh... <laughs> I, I, I don't think she's even selling them on our behalf. I think she's just going to pocket the money. <laughs> Now, tell them tell them how they can win the Bible. So, the first 15 people that sign up to be a Bible Banter Club member will be entered in to win this. And one of the 15 will win it. Um, so, please go on there. Uh, and, you know, listen, we're going to treat you the same whether you are a $3 or a $10 a month, 3 5 or 10 The The um, benefits that you, that you get are just going to be a little bit different. You know, um, but really there's some good access there. Um, if you're a pastor, I recommend not doing the $3 a month. Well, I'm, you know, do the five or 10, because then you actually do get something because I guarantee you the books I send, you probably already have or have read. Um, but, um, 
yeah, for, for the regular layman, um, I think some of those books will be really beneficial, you know? Um, and I try to, I try to help essentially give people, I give books away at my church all the time. I try to send uh, PDFs to people, um, for things that are free on the, on the internet. And really what I tried to do and will continually update are some good resources, um, Puritan works, uh, Reformation era works that are typically free, um, because they can really help people in their, their faith foundations. So. All right. Well, there's our plug. Uh, I see a comment here. Has to put up with Eric. She deserves the money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Bickford's on point today, bud. Bickford, uh, Bickford's coming in hot. I, I, I gotta say, I really appreciate, and I, I'm not even gonna, um, you know, I'm not even gonna venture a guess as to whether or not it's deserved, but I appreciate that somehow you have become the subject of all the ire in the comments that I get to just sort of laugh along. I really appreciate that, guys, that you've chosen Eric as your target. Um, Do you know why? Do you know why though? I, I don't because they know. they no they realize that you just can't keep up with me. That you need that. I don't need anybody's help. I can do this all on my own, Luke. No, uh, no. The reason is because of that right there. That's exactly why. Because <laughs> of my arrogance. <laughs> <laughs> should we? Uh, should we go ahead and move into the show today? Yeah. So let's uh, let's get into the show. Um, so again, hey, we just want to encourage you. Check us out on iTunes. Go on there. I saw Daniel McGee already gave us the honest five-star review. Jackson did a great job in ensuring people that if you leave anything other than five stars, you're probably dishonest, right? Like, cause our show is the bee's knees as they were saying <laughs> in the sixties. So um, leave that honest five-star review, say something nice. It'll help people um, find us that are looking for good um, Christ honoring content out there on the web. Um, and that's really our goal. Sometimes we might get in it and Hey, if we, if we do say something or maybe we offend someone, I'll be the first one, um, to reach out and say, please tell me so that I can apologize and and meditate on that. So, um, with that in mind, Luke, you want to introduce what we're talking about today? We're we're kind of talked about, this is going to be a poopery. (laughs) I believe it's pronounced poopery. Uh, no, it's poopery. We're gonna we're gonna agree to disagree on that. We're gonna do an episode today that sort of bounces around a little bit. There were a few subjects that Eric sort of tossed my way, and in the interest of being transparent with you as I was with him, I sort of said, "Look, those things are really interesting, but I don't have really well formed, uh, biblically based views on them. I've got opinions I can share, uh, but so does everyone else." And so we actually decided that today uh, we were going to talk about a few different things. And Eric's going to be able to provide, I think, a, a bit more of a clear sort of biblical view of them. And I'll uh, interject my thoughts wherever I find them helpful. And of course, you guys are welcome to chime in in the comment section, because I think both of the subjects we're going to tackle today are uh, very serious and very relevant. And let's go ahead and get into the first one, which is churches taking loans from the government. Yeah, particularly this is of note because of the PPP money, the Payment Protection Plan or Payroll Protection Plan, right? That's what it's called, Payroll Protection mm-hmm. Protection Plan. For those of you who don't know, that was a small business loan that came through in the last stimulus package um, or whatever they're calling that bill that passed through um, uh, the, the Senate, Congress, President signed it. And there was an amount of money that, uh, 
was available to those who would apply in their local bank and they could get up to two and a half months worth of payroll and essentially mortgage or, or rent or whatever it was for their facilities. So they could pay essentially for their expenses plus their payroll for two and a half months. And, um, that would, uh, that would turn into, that would go from a loan to a, um, forgivable, uh, what do you? What's the term they they use, Luke? Help me out here. <laughs> I got nothing. So essentially, uh, so essentially, the loan would be forgiven if you um, if you didn't fire anyone for that for that eight and a, eight weeks. So um, yeah, so that's kind of that was the deal, and a lot of churches took advantage of it. I'm not gonna, you know, I had a couple of conversations. I shared it in a pastors group that you and I are part of. Uh, our grant. Thank you very much. Thank Wes. You, Wes. It goes from a grant. Um, Brad Toll as well. Thank you, Brad. Um, so it, it goes from a loan to a grant as long as you don't fire anyone. Mm-hmm. And and they're very specific. There are very specific things that make it so that's forgivable. But as long as you follow those things, it is. Yeah. And some churches have taken advantage of it. Some haven't. And you and I are just going to share um, what you and I, what your your and I thoughts Yes, our thoughts are on it. And uh, before I share my thoughts, I'll give the quick caveat that, uh, as I said before, I don't hold to this view, you know, really firmly. I can't give you chapter and verse. And so, you know, if you disagree, or even if your church took advantage of the loan, please feel free to chime in um, uh, and and to voice your thoughts. We're happy to talk with you. I think the the short version. This is something in particular, Luke, that I think we need to be careful. Um, we both agreed this is something that we need to be charitable on. Yes, yes. Yeah, but I think the short charitable. version of my view is this is a bad idea. It, it is a bad idea to um, receive money from the government in this way. Uh, and we will talk about the reasons why. Eric, what's your view on it? Uh, so I will give you the biblical view, then I'll give you my view. Yeah. So there's a sense that can go either way. Um, If you look at Ezra and Nehemiah, which I have been studying over the course of the last, actually really since um, this whole thing kicked off, because if you look at Ezra, he received funds from from the king at that time to go back to Jerusalem and build up uh, the temple and build up Jerusalem and all that. And then we see in uh, Nehemiah that he refuses funds from the king. And both of them looked at it as a provision from God. So Ezra yeah. looked at what he was receiving from the king who had authority over Jerusalem. Um, he, he looked at that as a provision from God to, to take care of God's business, so to speak, to carry out his mission, for to build up God's people. On the flip side, you have Nehemiah who says, no, I don't need that money because God will provide. Uh, seemingly that seems contradictory, but what we see is how, um, two good godly men prophets who go back to their, um, their home and have a similar task. One's to build up, uh, the temple and the people, the other is to build the walls of Jerusalem. Um, they look at something, um, and come to differing conclusions. So I think we need to show, um, grace towards both, uh, especially towards those who disagree with us. Now, I would agree with you, Luke, um, and here's why. I think we have to look at what the church is made up of. The church is not necessarily an organization, 
Although in today's idea, we do look at the church as an organization because yeah. of our culture. That's just where we have to have charitable status, right? A 501c3. And that allows us we're incorporated by the government. Personally, I don't think we should. I don't think that should be a requirement underneath the government because what happens is you now force churches to think of themselves as a an entity, as an organization or or a corporation, well, whereas or, or, they aren't. Or basically a nonprofit business. I right. Mean, that, and, and the church is not a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think, you know, James White said on the uh, the other day on the Twitter sphere, you know, um, the businesses that have to shut down in your community because the funds ran out with PPP should mm-hmm. go to the churches and ask for their money. And you mm-hmm. know what? I, I agree in a sense, you know, because the church, the church um, now granted some churches, they look in a desperate time and they say, we, we have to search for something. Uh, maybe our doors have to shut if we don't take these funds. And, and I'm sympathetic. If your church took this money, like don't go to your pastor and, and, and raise holy hell, right? Like that's not a good idea. That's not helpful. Um, you can disagree with us and God bless you if you do. But my heart is, it says, man, like the people make up the church and that mm-hmm. money, like the, what was it? Like 1200 bucks that went out to every single person plus 500 per kid in a household. So, um, and most people in our church probably qualify for that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you figure if all the people in your church qualified for that, I would hope that they are. Um, giving a portion of that to the church. And that, in a sense, is how the church should be funded. So I got mm-hmm. no problem with with an individual being forced to take money from the government, which is what happened. And now using that for God's glory by tithing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, so that's how it should have happened, not churches going out and taking the money, so to speak. Because yeah. um, I had one conversation about it um, with someone in my church who is in the baking um, industry. And I said, hey, what do you think? And he said, I would not support this one bit. He And he said that he was actually telling churches that if you have money in reserves, you should not even be considering this. And God bless him yeah. for that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I actually think I have, I have two reasons why I'm opposed to it. And I appreciate Nathaniel Bickford's comment because I don't think I was really aware of that. Um, that churches do not have to have 501c3 to be considered a nonprofit. By default, they're considered nonprofit, but the 501c3 makes things easier when dealing with um, states, towns, and businesses. So that, thank you for that comment, Nathaniel. I, yeah, thanks. Yeah, like, I stand corrected on that. Yeah. Um, I think I have really two big reasons uh, or two main concerns. One of them has to do with control because here's the deal. With the stimulus check that, you know, basically the government gave to everyone, uh, most people pay taxes. I sort of just see that as a tax break, right? Mm-hmm. That, that was that was your money. It was taken from you either rightly or wrongly. You're getting some of it back. This is a loan, uh, and it's a loan from government. And I am concerned that if churches get in the habit of taking funding from government, they will eventually have to start taking direction from government. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my first concern. I'm not saying that's happening in this case. So far, as far as I can tell, it's not. But I think that is something for us to be wary of. Well, look, can we can we put a pin in your second point? Because I think it's going to be very, very important. And I just yeah. want to tease out your first point, right? So I would say that if I'm big government, right? Um, I think that if I'm the government and I'm giving you money, um, I have every right to tell you how to use that money and what you should be doing. So 
I would think that if, um, you know, like uh, if someone, if someone gives money to our Bible banter club, right. Um, they're going to have a sense of ownership over what we're doing, which is what we want. We desire other people's input. We want to try to build a, a community around what we're trying to do. So that's good. But what we don't want is the government to, to subscribe to uh, Bible banter and, and be a uh, Bible or a banter club member. And then them tell us what to be talking about and what to be doing. Pama's comment is really relevant. I think this happened with Christian colleges. Uh, uh, we, uh, we see this in a, in a lot of places in the educational institution where uh, you receive money from a certain level of government, whether it's federal, state or local, and then there are expectations that come along with that. So that's a great point, Fama. I think the other reason I'm concerned about this is sort of a wider concern with um, debt and loans. And I, I don't know if we want to go too far down this rabbit hole. I, I would just say if you read especially the book of Proverbs you find that, um, and I'm not, I'm not saying we should never borrow money. Look, I, I borrowed a lot to go to school. I borrowed money to buy cars, right? I'm, I, I've gone down that road. It, it just seems to me like the, almost a part of our culture now is debt and loans. And uh, more and more, as I uh, study what the Bible has to say about money, I find that to be foolish. Uh, that that the not sinful but unwise no, not, I'm, I'm not i'm not i'm not going to go so far as to say if you, uh, you're taking a loan it's wrong because we do see places in scripture where um people do take loans there are there are in, within the law there's even laws about how you are to treat people you give loans to so there, obviously there's a place for loans but i think more and more debt has sort of become our go-to for solving problems um, and I think that's also very dangerous. Uh, it's certainly not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you, man. And I'm just, I'm concerned for us. Um, I've been concerned for a long time and we've talked about this on the podcast that we've, um, you know, sold our soul, our evangelical soul to politics in a sense, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is very unfortunate. And now I think we are going to take the uh, government handout without critically thinking about what it could lead to mm. and what we're inviting because i do think that if you get if you accept money from the government as a church i think it's only right that they have um the ability to tell you what you can and can't do period um mm. at least until you pay that money back uh i i think it uh you know if yeah. in one hand we we want religious freedom in this country um i think it means that we're free from um, the government's intrusion. Remember, church, mm -hmm. the separation of church and state was not about the church influence on government, but the government's influence on the church. Yeah. And I think that this is an unnecessary uh, step in which we are allowing the government in our church. And I think you just used a really important phrase, which is that um, with debt comes control. That mm -hmm. that is what my concern is, it, it, and I and I've I think we see it in our own lives, where we we can all um, tell stories about people who lost their job or, or got really sick or something awful happened and they couldn't pay their mortgage and, and, you know, the bank took their home away, you know, well, that's awful. However, the reason that happened is because they uh, bought that home on a loan. I'm not saying that we can't do that or shouldn't do that ever. I'm just saying that is a reality of debt that yeah. when, when you are in debt to someone, they have a certain amount of like 
unavoidably. I think this is part of why God included the laws that he did was so that God's people would not use um, debt or, or, or use loans as a way to control other people. And I think that's a very real danger. Does accepting tax exemption come along the same lines? That, that's such a good question. I'll, I let you, I, I'll, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I'd want Mike to just clarify a little bit. Does he mean like our tax exempt status? And, and if that's what he means, uh, no, because I don't think, because here's the thing. People have this misconception that the church doesn't pay taxes, just like the misconception that um, the big businesses don't pay taxes. Who works in big businesses, Luke? People, <laughs> people. Um, and, and who makes up the church? People. People, right? So again, it gets away, it, we should get away from the idea of the church as an organization only. Um, mm -hmm. That's only part of what it is. Uh, yeah. But primarily, it is the people of God that gather together for the worship of God and the carrying on of his mission. And we are first children of him and citizens of heaven before we're citizens here on earth. Now, I would tell someone, pay your taxes uh, as long as the government is telling you to pay your taxes. Mm -hmm. um, the I do think that it's right for whether it's churches or um, other nonprofits that have a, a mission of um, doing charity work in their community, then uh, they shouldn't be uh, paying taxes. Yeah. And, and I would, I would say that um, not having to pay property tax, absolutely a huge benefit. I, yeah, I think Mike's point is fair, Eric, that I, I, I agree basically with everything you said, but maybe you are exaggerating a little bit the idea that it's just completely even. I mean, there are some advantages churches have. I would say there is a categorical difference between accepting tax-exempt status and accepting money from the government. Because yeah. in the first situation, what you're doing is legally, like we're not talking about uh, tax evasion here, legally, you are keeping the funds that were yours in the first place. In the other mm -hmm. situation, you are taking money that the government took from someone else. So categorically, there's I think there's a real difference there. And I like what Bickford talks about. Nathaniel does, um, you know, he mentions on here that the purpose was uh, of tax exemption was to give churches a level playing field and to keep government hands out of churches. Absolutely. I mean, we want the government as far away from churches as possible, which is one of the reasons why um, it was found unconstitutional, at least here in North Carolina, that the government has no authority to t legally to tell churches that they are unable to meet for worship. Um, we had a number of sheriffs across North Carolina buck the governor and say, we're not enforcing your imposed laws on the churches. And then there was a lawsuit brought before uh, the Supreme Court. I believe it was the North Carolina Supreme Court. And they found it unconstitutional that he imposed a ban on churches gathering up to a certain point. Yeah. Now, he's since lifted that ban. He's now said like, oh, hey, here, here are our rules and, and places of worship are exempt from that. However, you and I are both having drive-in worship services at our churches because we both think that it's unwise to get together, even if it's legally possible. Medically, it does just doesn't seem wise. Yeah. Um, now Glenn, yeah, Glenn brings up question. a great question. Yeah. So, um, so here's the thing. Your pastor's not self-employed. Uh, is this one of your church members, Luke? Glenn is? Yeah. Yes. And he's asking the question because I don't know how you file Eric, but, um, mm -hmm. uh, a lot the of correct the, way. say again, the correct way. How do you file? <laughs> um, so I am a W2 worker for, 
uh, tax for income tax purposes, and I am a self-employed worker for uh, Social Security purposes, which okay. is which is according to what the IRS guidelines are. Yeah. So, uh, and if you're not doing it that way, I probably wouldn't admit it because, uh, it, that's the way literally the IRS says. So, you're so to I, I won't, I won't say anything directly. I will just, I will just say that what the comment you just made about that, that being clearly the way that you are supposed to is not so clear to not only to me, but to many of the, uh, other pastors who, uh, what work at least in this state. Uh, so say again, you file uh, as you a file w-2, W-2 worker for, for income. income, and then yeah. for um, Social Security, it's as a uh, self-employed. Now, does the church pay, pay a payroll tax for employing you? No. Okay. I don't think right. so. Um, because well, uh, essentially, guess- essentially, what I because. I mean, not to get into my personal tax situation, but I got yeah, an account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have an account that handles all that stuff, um, and it's it's it is more challenging than it needs to be. Um, but that's more of a political problem, and not necessarily that's a government problem, not a church problem. Yeah, I, I, I guess uh, in the interest of not sharing too much, I won't comment specifically on the self-employment. I will just say this, um, and this is not a biblical view; this is a political one. But uh, I'll I'll say it, and we'll move on. The, the fact that our tax code is thousands of pages long is ridiculous. It's absurd. The, the, the notion that you have to have a profession. No, you're, you didn't do anything wrong, Glenn. It's a perfectly reasonable question. Um, I just don't know if we could get into it without sharing, you know, personal tax stuff. But no one's upset yeah. with you. It's a great question. No, yeah, um, yeah. The, I, think, I think in the interest of sort of moving on, the, the short answer is this. I don't, I don't think almost the, the way that almost anyone pays taxes makes sense. I, it's an incredibly complicated system. You basically at this point have to be or hire a professional. Uh, and not only for pastors, but for everyone, I think it'd be better if we had a much, much simpler tax code uh, that was a lot easier to navigate. Now, I will I will add, I have heard funny stories about how pastors have, like, I've heard of at least one story where a pastor, like, I think for his entire tenure at a church, did not pay any income tax. Because he just he just told the church, like, eh, just pay me, just pay me like a, um, uh, 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 like I'm self-employed, pay me like a contractor. Mm-hmm. And they didn't report that information because they didn't know they needed to to the government. And he didn't report it because he old school guy. Like, I mean, old, old, old school guy. He just thought like, oh, I didn't have to either. Um, that's why it's important for everyone to uh, whether you're a pastor or whatnot, um, church secretary or finance, you know, uh, financial person at the church. Mm-hmm. Um, look at the tax law. You will rip your hair out. It's why I'm going bald. Um, but it will be for your benefit. The more you know. The now, more you know. now, now, Glenn did make it clear we have lost. Uh, if we're running for a public office at any point this year, we've lost his vote because we're not revealing our tax information. So there's That's one. Fair. <laughs> um, uh, and I and I would tell. I don't need your tax info. Like if that's your private information. I don't care who it yeah. is. I don't care if it's President Trump or uh, um, Joe Biden sniffing hair. Like, I, listen, I, I don't need your tax info. It was absurd to me too when they were saying you have to release your medical records. Like, what a what an incredibly personal thing to yeah. for you to demand that someone release publicly. Now, Nathaniel is really on his game today. I just learned something new about Germany. Nathaniel cool. knows these. Nathaniel's a brilliant guy. Wow. 
Yeah. How much money the government determines how much money each church pets gets, even Pastor Sam. You know what? That makes it, our, our system's not perfect, Eric, but that makes me so thankful to be working for a church in the United States because we are truly Amen. still in the, you know, there is still separation of church and state. Amen. God bless America. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank um, God, America. Have you ever been to Germany? It's a beautiful country. I, I hope to go again at some point in my life. I've ever been to Germany. No, no, I've not. Uh, I, I feel like as a Protestant at some point, if I can, I should, I should go. You must, you must. but it, it is a beautiful country, beautiful country. So with that said, should we move on to our next? Uh, yeah. Next yeah. Topic? yeah. Uh, next topic. And again, we're going to uh, try to discuss this with some humility. Uh, me a little more than Eric, cause he's got a little more experience in this, but next we wanted to talk about parenting is specifically when it comes to, um, discipline and discipling which i would say go hand in hand uh so we're going to talk about how children i meant discipline uh discipling not disciplining oh (laughs) you misread my text message when we were talking about it oh my goodness all right so i i feel i suddenly feel so much more comfortable you know what we might end up if we have a little extra time talking about the other thing too though because i i came prepared to uh let's talk about discipling first how should children be discipled i'll let eric have the first word since i came to answer the wrong questions how should they be discipled first off you should um get them a um get them on tier one of uh the of of banter club uh they need to be a banter club uh initiate so they have access to all that library that that carefully curated library of resources that they can truly grow into the image of Christ, that and a Bible, that's what they need. Um, But apart from that, how should children be discipled? Well, I'll tell you, it starts with um, what should they be discipled in and who should be the one discipling. So Luke, where do we want to start? Which, which one? Let's what do what or who? discipled in first, because what? I think, most, uh, I, I think that's the, less contentious point um who should okay. be discipling them i think i think i we might get a little bit fiery uh, can, can i can i read from my favorite book of the bible yes okay so i'm going to be reading and i'm just kidding um and mike is right there's a there's an overlap overlap between well, let, well, let, and let's do this let's talk about discipling children and then yep. um we'll leave a little time at the end just to mention disciplining children because i think he's right that uh, there is there's overlap here Bickford's asking uh, how much can he rile me up? He started at seven o'clock this morning messaging me through Facebook Messenger, getting me riled up. That's why maybe if I'm on my game today, it's because of uh, Bickford. So uh, Deuteronomy six, Deuteronomy six verses one through. Huh? I'm out. Your favorite book of the Bible is Deuteronomy. I was kidding. (laughs) I was being facetious, man. (laughs) But I know, I know, like. Uh, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy are uh, three books that a lot of people skip over. We should actually do an episode on on everyone's least favorite books in the Bible and then tell them why they need to read it. That's a great idea. Yeah. It's the only kind of ideas I have. (laughs) Well, you believe read. Yeah. uh, Thank you. Thank you for keeping me on track. Uh, So Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. Now, uh, Moses is the author here. And he is communicating this to the people of Israel. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. that You may do them in the land in which you are going over to possess it. 
that you may fear the Lord your God and your son and your sons by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. Here, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, and it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And that is the word of the Lord. I think I think you just answered both the questions of uh, what they are to be discipled in and who are they they are to be discipled by. I think that passage answered both of those questions. Boom. Um, I've been waiting all show for that. No, look the the reality is um, children need to be raised up in the scriptures by their parents. Now, there are lots of other important um, people who play a role in the discipling of children, people like Sunday school teachers, people like youth leaders, mentors. Uh, I really think that's something that a lot we've, we've in many ways failed to do in the church, which is to connect the old and the wise with the young and the energetic. Um, I'm very thankful for the older members of our church who've come alongside me and supported me and offered me counsel. But, you know, bottom line, if, if you're a father or a mother listening right now and you have children at home, you are their primary spiritual teacher. And what they need to learn from you is scripture, especially scripture about Christ and the gospel. Um, so I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Go or, for it. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you even know how the term devil's advocate come up? Because I had someone said they, they don't like saying devil's advocate because they think they're giving the devil credit. I don't know if that's real or not. Like, I, I don't know. It's just a term that we use, but I'm, it's a little I'm, idiom. I'm pretty sure that's literally what the term is that you're advocating for the devil. Huh? Thank, thank, thank you, Glenn. Fathers and don't, don't be shy about uh, the comments. We love the participation. Yes, fathers and mothers. You are your yeah. children's primary spiritual teachers. Eric disagrees. He's going to advocate for the devil now. No, no, no. First off. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows I full heartedly agree um, to you. In fact, I think that parents that neglect it damn their children and um, have to give an account uh, before the Lord for how they've used their time. So I have pretty strong feelings about this, if you haven't been able to tell. But many people, whether it's in popular evangelical churches or otherwise, actually look to what they consider the professionals. And I experienced this when I was a youth pastor. They look to um, you, either as the youth pastor or the mm -hmm. pastor of the church or whatever, as the ones who know how to teach Jesus to their kids. And that if their kids are acting crazy, because again, uh, to teach Jesus means you're actually teaching morality, that... Um, that if their kids act up, their kid gets on drugs or lives a life of, of homosexuality or runs away from home or punches a kid at school, guess whose fault it is? 
The parents? The the youth leaders, apparently. I've heard, you know, I've heard that excuse before. <laughs> not in my own experience, right? So I'm not even saying it, it's not when I was a youth pastor. <laughs> but I've heard it from fellow youth pastors where they said, you know, they get a parent coming in all crazy. And they're like, why doesn't my kid know all 66 uh, books of the Bible? Uh, why doesn't my kid know how to pray? I actually have heard that before. You mm-hmm. need to teach my kid how to pray. You mm-hmm. need to teach my kid how, you know, and you just look at them like they're stupid because I'm going to stop there. Good choice. Stop there. Good choice. Cause I, I I'm getting heated. I'm getting heated. Yeah. This is a very passionate topic for me this because is, I this, love my kids. This is, this, um, is a, this is a great opportunity to practice for both of us to practice gentleness and grace. Yes. Um, so I will gently say this. You are harming your children. If you expect your church to uh, equip them for you. Mm-hmm. You are harming your kids. You are abusing your children. Listen, you have the greatest thing that you can. Um... <laughs> I just got a message for what Bickford was going to put in the comment section. <laughs> I would have lost my mind. But um, so you have the greatest thing. You have a charge from God, right? You have a charge from God to hand him over to your children and you go, meh, I'll save it for um, the church to do it for me, the professionals mm. at the church. And by the way, we're only going to show up about once a month. Mm. So now listen, God works in our fallibility, in yes. our fallenness. Yes. Uh, I will not pretend that I am a perfect discipler of my children. I am far from it. Um, my wife carries a lot of the burden. Thankfully, she is a, a wonderful under shepherd. Um, she does devotions with our kids every day. We try to do family devotions as often as we can. Um, when I was first in ministry, I thought it was incredibly important for me to do it every single night. And it, even if I was working 20 hours a day, I made sure I did it. And I heard something wonderful from Tim and Kathy Keller. And um, they said that one of the greatest things they ever did in their ministry was to stop doing family devotions because they realized that it became a chore to their children and they never wanted their children to think of God or the scriptures as a chore because they were already so involved in other aspects of the ministry and of the church. So you have to be guarded there, right? Yeah. However, the, the important part is how you, how you disciple your children is up to you. The manner in which, and now you should be looking to your, to your leaders in your church to equip you as a parent to be your children's children's worker yes now let me let let me interject here because i think this is where we were sort of we've been harping on parents for a few minutes now let me harp on pastors and i include myself in this like i i'll tell you what i'm about to say i have been very guilty of until until very recently um part of the reason that so many parents defer to the church experts for the raising of their children is because the church experts have told them to do it Oh, we no longer equip mm. people that we don't do what Paul did with Timothy to do what Paul told Timothy to do, which was to um, take these sound doctrines I've taught you and give them to others to teach. Like so often I as a teacher, I think of my teaching as the thing I'm supposed to do to, to help the people as opposed to I teach so that I can teach others how to teach others that, mm-hmm. that our, our call as ministers is to um, uh to call and equip, not just to give information. So some of this burden really falls upon 
the, the, the pastors and the leaders, it falls upon people like me. Um, are we intentionally uh, reminding parents of their calling and equipping them for mm-hmm. that responsibility of discipling their children? I certainly haven't always done that. Yeah. And we, it's, um, it's important for us to realize that we are going to fail. And that our salvation is not dependent on how good of a parent we are or how good we are at discipling our kids. But Moses certainly gives the charge from God to the people of Israel to raise up their kids in fear and admonition of the Lord, um, to teach the commandments and to to teach of who God is. Um, And and for those who might say, yeah, well, for those people who are – anti-old testament which i can't understand how you could be but there are people there are christians well-meaning i think who say you have to get rid of um, the Old testament. <laughs> mike alex in the comment section just just running things huh um mike i'm going to remind people in your church that if if you're not discipling their kids personally that they need their money back um, I, I, a pastor I just, up in, up in I've just realized because I've, I've been I've seen a few of the things Mike has said since we started the podcast. I'm realizing he really might be the best troll in our viewership. <laughs> we need to have Mike on the podcast just so that he can say things. Lo- oh, wait, did we have Mike on the podcast? Yeah, we did have Mike on talking about blessing. See, that's how uneventful having Mike on the podcast was. I even forgot about it. Way to go, Mike. Way to really bring it in. So, there- um. There, there is something else here, though. Um, I, I want to let you finish your point, but but Mike's joke actually has some truth in it, which is, and this is another area where I rec- had to recognize that I had failed the first, um, you know, for, for a pretty decent chunk of my pastorate here, which is um, I fell into the trap of the disciples, which is, uh, you know, the little children come to Jesus and they say, he's got more important things to do. And I think we see this all the time. And I'm not criticizing church with multiple staff members who have um, uh, places of focus, like thank God for youth pastors, children's ministers, all that stuff. The pastor can't do it all, shouldn't do it all. Thank God for those people. However, I, I think I've seen sometimes where we fall into the trap of the pastors do the real ministry to the adults and they let others take care of the kids and teens. Um, yeah, all ministry is real ministry, but but all ministry is not all ministry is not age segregated. Yeah. There's a place for age segregation, age segregated ministries, but if that's your primary means of discipleship in your church, you're damning your church. Um, the primary place of discipleship in your church is the home. Hmm. It's the home, and the pastor equips um, members of that home. So children are actually a blessing to their parents, and that they help disciple their own parents. Right. What greater discipleship is there when I have to discipline my child and um, do so in a way that doesn't gratify my flesh? Because sometimes you just really want to spank your kids Um, and and you think that in spanking your kids, that's going to accomplish uh, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. But oftentimes what my fear is, is that it actually gratifies your flesh because it makes you feel better. So. yeah, um, we're, we're gonna good. We're gonna get into discipline now. Um, but but let me let me get to let me get to yeah. Go ahead. Even the even the homes in which there's only a single person living, right? So even those who, um, 
who aren't married because we often like gear things towards families in the church like regardless of where you're at in your stage of life um there are those who are in your uh family that you should be discipling one another to i'm sorry it's mike (laughs) mike i think mike is mike's trying to trigger me man because um Mike, you know what Mike's doing? He's trying to work on my sanctification. That's what it is. God is using him right now because he's using the things that he knows I get heated about between him and Bickford. Um, the Lord is really causing me to uh, show restraint. Why don't you finish your point? I forget what it is. Mike ruined the show. Way to go, Mike. Um, Mike, 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 Mike. Some some interesting comments. Uh, Glenn talking about. I don't know if you y'all do. Do y'all do baby dedication? I know you don't baptize infants, but do you do baby yeah. dedication services? Yeah. I think one of the the honestly the best parts of the baby dedication service is not even necessarily um, just what for the family, but for the church. It's a reminder to them that they're um, they have a responsibility to even in just the way that they model behavior. Uh, mm-hmm. to disciple the young people of their church. Pama, man, Pama getting real and sharing something. I know a lot of um, Christian, uh, older Christian parents deal with. She says, Ed and I are blessed that our sons are Christians and follow biblical teachings. We've often felt strange when other good Christian parents have had children uh, abandon the faith. How do we respond to those who ask us why? Man, that 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 is such a tough situation. And I think I think we need to be careful not to um, assume that it's always because of a failure on the part of the parents. Obviously, sometimes that is the case, that uh, children who are raised in the church abandon the faith later because of their upbringing. So, you know, sometimes that is the case, but not always. Uh, you know, they probably went to public school. <laughs> there's, there's, so there, I think sometimes we make, we make a mistake of treating biblical patterns as, as um, guarantees. So for example, right. uh, it, it says in Proverbs, if you raise up a child um, and the way he should go, when he get older, he will not depart from it. That's, uh, as is the case with most of the Proverbs, that is a general principle, not a guaranteed rule. Like, right. We well, need to be, and this is why it's so important for people to interpret the Bible rightly. When mm-hmm. you study the scriptures, Proverbs is not, is not a book of promises. It's a book of wisdom. Yep. Wisdom is can often, right? So you can choose the wise thing and things still don't work out the way that you hope they do or they yeah. should do. So that's a general principle, a wise thing that um, Solomon wrote down, inspired by God, but it is not a promise from God. And the right. people who do say that it's a promise are reading that into the text and they are not mm-hmm. interpreting the book of Proverbs rightly. Yeah. Well, I even there's even some application here when you talk about qualifications for church leadership, where sometimes I'll, I'll be reading in the letters to Timothy about the or to Titus about requirements for elders. And it says, you know, must manage his household well, must have obedient children. And I'll think, what well, does that mean if I have, you know, a rebellious child uh, that, you know, I, I'm honestly I think am I am I no longer qualified for for ministry? Um and probably the the answer is more in the general principle than in some hard fast rule where if your pastor has a, a child or a teen who's having a hard time uh he's having a hard time with may not necessarily be time to remove him from the position if all of his children are rebellious and uh uh recalcitrant 
then maybe you really do need to consider, or, or you as a pastor, if you see that your family is just a, a, in disarray, then maybe you do really need to consider that. But but these are, to, to Eric's point, um, that phrase about raising up your child the right way, that is a general principle. It's wisdom. It's not some hard, fast rule. Uh, I think the other story that comes to mind is the the story of the blind man that Jesus heals. And the people ask, well, who sinned? You know, he or his parents. Yes. Um, we we shouldn't we shouldn't be so arrogant as to assume that just because we see uh, something went wrong that we know why. Yeah, and um, no, totally, man. I do want to go back to you know Palma um, asks a or makes a great um, comment. I just want to because I did make kind of a snide comment about public <laughs> <You did>. school. <laughs> and uh, hey, my listen, I was raised in public school. My kids went uh, went to public school and private school for a little bit. Uh, back when they're much younger um, we've been homeschooling now for about two years uh, going into our third year um, here's here's my take on that Palma first off thank you for your work as a public educator um, you guys don't get enough credit you have one of the most difficult jobs on the planet or had one of the most difficult jobs on the planet because what the public school expects of teachers is impossible and it's unfair and the person that it is most unfair to is the children. Um, it's unfair to the educator because they're expecting for all these kids to um, to get an education. When you have a class of 25 or 30 kids with varying degrees of intelligence and ability to sit still, attention spans, uh, behavioral issues coming from all sorts of backgrounds, um, you're not only expected to teach, but also care for their uh, care for them spiritually and emotionally. You're supposed to be able to watch out to see signs of abuse, um, drug use, all these different things. Break up fights when it comes to high school and middle school. It's ridiculous. Um, you should not be expected to do that. I think that um, society's expectations on you are entirely unfair. And for all of you who do accomplish it with some degree of success, I applaud you from the bottom of my heart. Um, for those of you who are, um, meta, you know, kind of in the, in the middle and you're in like, you're, it's so hard and you, and you feel like you're failing and maybe you are failing. Like my heart goes out to you. I'm sorry that you are because people have put expectations on you greater than anyone could ever achieve. Uh, right. and for those who are garbage teachers, cause I had some in high school that essentially just, um, put notes on a board and when you ask questions they told you to sit down and shut up and you can tell they're only there for a paycheck i say get the heck out of the schools you there anyway i don't want to get no, into no, too much. i, 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 I want to make another comment here um because i i, I want to reaffirm you know it, look eric and i um have both decided for now to homeschool our children but we we don't condemn people who make different choices than us uh, I know good Christian parents who've chosen private school. I know good Christian parents who've chosen public school and are, um, you know, continuing to raise up their children in the the things of God and the truths of the faith. And whichever way your family, you know, it chooses to do it, no condemnation from us. I would just say this, Palma, public schools were different 20 and 30 years ago. It was a different situation. Um, I'm well, here's not a perfect example, Luke. I talked to kids in my church that are now in um, college, right? Mm -hmm. First day orientation, you know what they're forced to do? Every time they introduce themselves to any classmate, and you get in trouble if you don't do it, is you say, hi, my name is Eric. My 
um i'm a i'm male i identify as male and i use he him pronouns yeah see that, that... And, and these are at these are at, at one time conservative universities here in north carolina so um there is a problem with public education um at all levels here's the thing i have no problem with someone sending their kids to public school but I do have a problem with people blindly sending their kids into public school and expecting the public school is going to uh, impart to their children the values that that family has. Yeah. The public education's responsibility is not to train up your children in fear and admonition of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Their responsibility is to give them an education that is designed by the government, which is largely far left liberals um many are far left liberals so you have to expect that there are great teachers in the school system like palma i'm sure mm -hmm. um and many other teachers that i know and they are a great influence um but for every one of them there are a hundred others that yeah. um are secular secular humanists who um even if they're not uh devoutly atheist they at least come at it come at things from an atheist perspective or at least an agnostic pers perspective um and that's not to denigrate any of the teachers i had in school they were wonderful yeah and, However, we're, very, and we're very and we're very thankful uh the, the comment palma made i'm very thankful for christians who continue to teach in public schools like that their yes. influence is sorely needed as a, we need more christians we need more Christians teaching in the public school, but we need more Christians taking responsibility for their own kids' education. Yeah. And that might mean putting them in the public school, but you need to have your eye on them like a hawk. If you do not have the ability to keep track of your own kids' education, then I don't care what you have to do, but you need to change your lifestyle one way or the other. But um, this, now, but if you can't. This is where we've come full circle. We've come full circle because I think this really is the bottom line about discipling your children. It is your responsibility, whether you send them to Sunday school, whether you send them to public school, whether you send them to youth group, whether you send them to confirmation, you are charged by God to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. Not their teacher, not their youth pastor, not their mentor, not their pastor. All those people play important roles. We should take those roles seriously. We should all receive a charge to treat children and youth as valuable as they are in the eyes of God. But um, truly, children's, uh, children ought to be discipled if they have Christian parents. If they don't. That's a harder situation. If they have Christian parents, by those parents. Yes, it, it, it's a mission field. Your family is a mission field and a place of ministry. Perfect move. Well, I think he was talking about maybe the public school. Oh, as a mission that, field. That, hey, hey, brother, if that's what you mean, the public school is a mission field, that's what I told myself when I sent my kids to public school. And then I had to realize that what they're learning in science class class is completely antithetical to what we're teaching them um, biblically. So now my now I put my kid in a position where they're, they either have to lack trust in myself and my wife and their pastors and in their, in their teachers in the church, or they either need to lack trust in their teacher in the public school, neither of which um, creates a good situation for my child. Hmm. Now, I, now um, I appreciate I appreciate Chris's um, remark about the fact that at some point, you know, par parent parenting really is a, a balancing act between uh, protection and launching, right? Uh, of, and it happens over time, and and only. There, there, there will come a time when every parent, every Christian parent, 
must sort of release uh, their child to the influences of the world. It doesn't happen right away. It doesn't happen all at once, but eventually that does have to happen. And it's really up to each parent to sort of determine the best time and way to do that. Uh, I know, I know for me, I was, uh, I was homeschooled until fifth grade and then uh, I went to public school and I'm not saying that that was perfect, but it seemed to work pretty well because there was enough of a sound spiritual foundation that when I ran into those secular ideas, I didn't swallow them hook, line and sinker. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do like, listen, I, um, yeah. Oh, so Moose is talking about the 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 parents that decide to um, go into the public school as teachers or as yeah. coaches. Amen, brother. Like we need to we need to be going into the lion's den, um, knowing that God will care for us and that we need to show the gospel to the world in word and in deed, as uh, as Paul says actually in Romans. However, I want us to get into Ephesians six. I know we're cut. We should be closing the show off here in a moment. But um, we got sidetracked in talking about homeschool. Uh, I blame Palma, but really, Palma, it's my fault for <laughs> making the joke about public school. So, um, so uh, here's the thing. Uh, now my wife's going to be in the comment section uh, justifying homeschooling. <laughs> That's the thing about being a homeschooler is you feel like you have to justify yourself to everybody because everyone thinks um, no. you're a problem. Stop. Um, Stop doing that. Stop justifying yourself. Those are your children. Yeah. Well, and, and, and here's the, like, here's the crazy thing, right? In Europe, they're um, country by country, they're making it illegal to homeschool your children. So that's coming to the United States at some point. We are behind Europe usually when it comes to these types of progressive ideas. Um, and really they're regressive, but that's a whole nother story. Ephesians six is incredibly Ephesians important yeah. and I'm going to tick so many people off. Hey, I like Palma. Uh, if I ever make it out to, <laughs> You're in Lenore, right? Is that where you guys are? Yes, yeah, she's yes, yeah, she's yeah. I need to come out there. Now that's that's out in the mountains, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Why don't you ever invite me? You should invite my family out so we can enjoy the mountains together. Yeah, I mean, we'd love to have you out except there are all these rules saying that we can't. You know what? Um there there was a great band, I think they were in the 70s called Judas Priest, and they had this song called Breaking the Law. And um, will you please just read Ephesians? <laughs> okay, sorry, I can't help it. Pop, pop culture references and everything. Um, but Palma, I I, I like you. Um, Ephesians six. This is where I'm, I might tick people off. Children. Paul writes. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. It may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I think he points out fathers here for two reasons. Um, Luke, you know why? Because fathers are usually harsher with their children than mothers. Usually, not always, but usually, typically. Um, and two, I think fathers, if we go back to Ephesians 4 and 5, particularly 5, Ephesians 5, I don't know. There seems to be one person in the family that is particularly charged with the care and shepherding mm -hmm. of one's household. 
Yeah. You know who and that it, is? And, and I, I think it's great that you mentioned Ephesians 5 because the other thing Ephesians 5 is that it teaches us that Christian authority manifests itself in service, not domination. That the Absolutely. Way that Mm -hmm. The way that you lead your family, the way that you act as head of your household is by serving your wife and children. Mm -hmm. um, Sacrificially. Yeah. And I appreciate, yep. too, you bringing up this, this idea of um, you are to raise them up and discipline them, not to provoke them to anger because of a comment that Palma made earlier. There's an excuse parents give up. It'll turn them against God if I make them. And this is where I need to assume a posture of humility because I've only been a parent for five years. I'm sure many of you in the comment section know a lot more than I do. But I'll tell you one thing that I'm learning. Um, I am learning truly that uh, while, my, while my children need consistency and structure uh, and clear, sometimes clear consequences, I have never once lost my temper and not regretted it as a father. Mm. Never once. Have you lost your temper? Many times. Me too. But but and I, I, and never... I go back to this. I go back to this not as a um, something that I feel crushed by when when Paul writes um, these words when he says not to provoke my children, because sometimes we can look at this command and, and sense a crushing of it. But more importantly, I think that's a correction and we find release when, or, or relief when we hear that and go. I knew what I did was wrong. The word of God says that it is wrong, which is encouraging to me. And oh yeah, I'm not defined by what I just did. My sinfulness towards my child. I now have an opportunity, man, what a blessing it is for me to go to my children and ask for their forgiveness and them give it and offer yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I mean, nothing warms my heart more. Um, yeah. Cause I hate when kids are forced to, to apologize for something when they're not sorry. I try not to do that. Um, I want them to only apologize if they truly mean it. And um, when I, one of the most difficult things is when you do sin against your children, because um, you uh, provoked them, lost your temper or whatever it might be mm -hmm. is to hear their soft hearts. Forgive you is just beautiful. Yeah. Now there's something else that I want to say here that um, I know you're going to love as a, as a, reformed man um and i think it i think it's important to say because i know it's something that a lot of christian parents struggle with you are truly called to raise your children up in the way of the lord but you cannot make them believers only the right. holy spirit can do that and yep. so uh we're we are charged to set an example to uh, establish structure and discipline to teach them and to guide them but we cannot uh be the holy spirit we cannot convict them of sin. We cannot bring them to a place of repentance. We cannot give them the gift of faith. Um, we do our part, and we have to trust God to do his. I want to encourage anyone who is watching this. Um, first, uh, if you're watching on Facebook, well, actually, everybody's watching on Facebook. We're only on Facebook. I'm so stupid. Share this video, please. Uh, we think it is important for um, people to hear the message that we have shared today. So please, as my son would say, smash that share button, um, hit like, and just to remind you, go on iTunes and give us the honest five-star review. Anything less than five stars is dishonest and we will no longer be friends with you. But... Um... I, 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 there's just no leashing you is there i i just have to you're just you and i just i just have to take it you know roll with the punches as they come 
<laughs> I am what I am. <laughs> um, um, this is, you know, I, I, but I, I want, so I, I was really saying, I actually had a point here, Luke. I really uh, yeah. actually had a point. Yeah. Yes. So, Hey, if, if you're watching this, right. Um, most importantly, if you are unsure about how to disciple your own kids, that's okay. Okay. First off, you have to recognize it's your responsibility. I hope my prayer is that you are convinced that it is your responsibility to raise up your children. Okay. In the Lord. So if you're not quite sure how to do that, um, message one of us. Okay. Mm -hmm. Only after, only after you talk to your pastors. Oh, I thought um, you were going to say only after you subscribe and Patreon. <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. We, we're we not self-promoters. We are pastors first and foremost. We are your brothers in Christ first and foremost. And it is a blessing to your pastor for you to come to them and ask how you can um, disciple your children. They're probably, uh, maybe they've been instructing you over this time and your ears have just grown dull of hearing. Or, or um, maybe if you're like me, your skull is super thick. And um, although that protects you from hard falls on the ground, it also makes it more challenging for the truth to get in your ears um, or at least for it to rattle around and seep in. So your pastor may have already been trying to instruct you. So as he leads you, um, fall under his leadership and seek his guidance and how to raise up your children. And if your pastor says, I'm not quite sure, um, show some grace towards your pastor because I will tell you that for the last 50 or 60 years, seminaries, Bible colleges, and churches have been telling pastors that they need to be the one-stop shop of religious services, and they're the ones who are to instruct your children, not yourself. Um, and if that's how they've been taught, they were taught wrongly, um, I will be as bold to say that, um, because the scriptures say that it is the parents, um, particularly the responsibility of the father, um, to oversee that. Maybe your father is um, someone who uh, doesn't communicate very well. Hey, we all have different levels of, of communication, communication skills. That's mm -hmm. fine. Maybe he, you know, maybe that's something he hands off to his wife, but it should be something that they're planning together and that at least his family sees him reading the scriptures and praying. Yeah, that's good. Whew, that was a potpourri episode. That was a, that we covered a lot, man. We covered a lot. Yeah, hey, we appreciate everyone chiming in in the comment section. Honestly, you guys make the show better. Um, the wisdom that you offer, of course, it's always a joy to hear you teasing Eric. I can't get enough of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. thanks, Matt. Do we call him Tank? Matt is, tanks are, tank. Tank. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I think he goes by Pastor Matt, but everybody that knows him well calls him Tank. Um, Pastor Matt, super dude, love him. He's a great brother in Christ. He's he's killing it down in Florida, um, down at Dover Advent Christian Church. Um, just a great brother, man. So, and you'd like him. He's a fellow musician. Ooh, jam session, yeah. baby. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, hey, again, we are we're setting things up over there on Patreon. We'd love mm -hmm. for you to join the Banter Club. Um, we promise you that more things are probably coming through it, but we do need some some of the support just to cover the cost that we've that we're already incurring on a monthly basis. Um, you have our deep gratitude. Um, Luke, we got anything else to share? We got no, the catechism. I, no, I, I just I just want to give one final encouragement and kind of echo some of the things that you said. But um, please don't interpret me and Eric harping on about parents discipling children to mean that you have to do it alone. 
one of the one of the greatest joys that I would have would be for a parent to walk into my office and say, I want to raise up my children in the things of the Lord, um, but I'm not sure how to teach them. Like that, yeah. that would bring me such great joy. And I'm sure your pastors would be thrilled for and if they're and if they're not, uh, then shame on them, because what a, what a privilege and opportunity it is to raise up uh, the future of the church. And um, please, the fact that it's your responsibility, don't take that to mean you have to do it alone. There are so many great Christian teachers who would love to help you. Uh, what matters is that you take the responsibility seriously, um, but take all the help that you can get. God doesn't want you to do anything on your own. It's all by his strength, his power, and of course, with the fellowship of other believers. Amen, brother. Couldn't have said it better myself. I really couldn't. I mean, that was good. Although I will tell you that uh, the Puritans were, they went out all the time into homes. They would go to one home mm -hmm. or they'd go to every home, visit every home in their congregation at least once a year. And they would sit down and show, they would um, instruct how to do family worship. Wow. Um, yeah. So you know, it, is, it is written into ahead. my job description that I'm expected to visit every family in my church at least once a year. I think we talked about that. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that kind of thing. Um, well, you have, you have a bigger I, church. You have a bigger church than I do. You have a lot more families. Yeah, but I, but to me, it's not about that. It's about I want if people knew it, like if people wanted me in their homes, uh, I'd be more than happy to. But I just feel really awkward, like inviting myself over, like I just did um, to you, inviting my family over to your house to enjoy the mountains, and then you rejected me. I have a big fear of rejection, and then. You just reject me. Like, like I thought you know, we were bros, man. You do have this thing called an office where you could ask people to come instead of inviting yourself. Oh, I do. I do. I do. I do. But, hey, we are going to do the Blessed Hope Catechism, and yeah. we have a very special guest for the Blessed Hope Catechism. Jack, what's up, man? <laughs> Hello. Hey, Jack, we are about to do what we do at the end of every show, which is to dis to read the Blessed Hope Catechism. So you want to you want to help help us out with it? His eyes just going. Jack, you want to help us out with the Blessed Hope Catechism? I don't know what you're saying. Uh, OK, um, apparently I'm speaking Spanish. Um. So, or maybe he turned the sound down and he can't hear. Um, is, so that, that, is, that, is that a poster of Pikachu I see on your wall? It is. Sorry, catechism. Squirrel. So Squirrel. apparently apparently he can't hear me? My wife texts me, can't hear me. Okay, I don't know. That's weird. But um, so now he's just talking can random things. Okay. Yes, we, we can, Jack. He probably turned the sound down. Probably that simple. So, anyway, Luke. Yes. J Jackson. Okay, okay. Man, this is a, this kid. I'm telling you, this is gonna be his last. Uh... Oh my god. I'm gonna. I, <laughs> I just hope that he doesn't say anything incriminating. <laughs> um. So, Jackson, Luke, who made you? Jack, who made you? Huh? Who made you? My mom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, Eric, 
Um, I was I was gonna say my mom and dad. So are Jack and I right? <laughs> What's so funny about that? Your mom. Okay, bud. Um, so he wins the cuteness award this, this week. <laughs> um, so yes, your your parents, in a sense, did make you. Um, Jack, we'll talk about that at a later time. Um, but <laughs> biblically speaking, who made you, Luke? God made me. Who made Jackson, you? That... God and my mom and dad. <laughs> Boom! So, uh, <laughs> Genesis one twenty seven says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. So we see here a picture of how man was created, which was in the image of God, the Imago Dei. Each of us are image bearers of him. And as such, we see that complementary image um, come through as male and female. There is definitely a gender. Yes, it is. it's part of, part of what we were made. And it's not just that God made us in the beginning, that he, it's not just that he made Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, but according to Psalm 139, you know, the psalmist says, you formed me in my mother's womb. One of my uh, favorite quotes, and unfortunately, I can't think of who said it, but I'll, I'm going to use it anyways. One of my favorite quotes is, there may be accidental pregnancies, but there are no accidental children. If you are listening mm -hmm. right now, in the eyes of God and his plan, you are not an accident. You are created uh, with divine purpose in mind for his glory he that's made right. that's right um so jackson can you hear me bud are you back you back in okay can you hear me bud jack jack can you hear me yeah i can hear you but I you can hear me man what is going on he probably I'll muted just, me i'll just repeat he everything gets, he gets enough of me at home I think. I think that's what it is. Um, can you ask Jackson, my son, who is obedient, he is loving, he is a beautiful, kind soul. I love him very much. Um, can you ask him to close us with what he started us off with? Tell him what to do. Jack, will you will you close the podcast the way you opened it with your monologue? Uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Turn on all notifications. Leave a like on the video, follow my boys on Facebook, and also leave a five-star review. And note, note this on it, um, three-star review. Get that out of here now. <laughs> Boom! See y'all next week! Go follow us on Patreon. We look forward to it. God bless you guys. <laughs>